Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. All Night. Here's Jonathan Hood. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. So glad you're with me here on this Tuesday night. You know, because we have been preempted or we had Major League Baseball, we didn't get a chance to be able to have our TWT show on ESPN 1000, but here we are talking to you about the best of pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. We're going to hear from Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net in just a moment. On this program, we'll get a chance to talk about what is going on with the status of the WWE. They are in Manchester, England. They had TV tapings there. Raw was there. SmackDown will be there as well. We'll get into AEW and Full Gear, the pay-per-view emanating from Baltimore, Maryland. And a few other things we're going to get to before we're done here with this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. We turn to my AWA brother. It is Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. As we have our conversation, go to the website, ProWrestling.net, for all the information you need for Pro Wrestling. There is a membership info as well. Jason will join us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jason, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, and it's nice. I, I was kind of worried when your producer reached out. I was like, uh-oh, do I need to check the obituaries? It, it's, uh, <laughs> usually I, I end up talking with you after someone from the AWA goes, but uh, so it, it's kind of a nice uh, treat not to have to worry about that today. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I do want to talk to you about some of the things that's going on because there has been there's so much wrestling. There's a ton, but I will start with you with a WWE and um, – what what stands out most about what we're seeing here, the state of the WWE with Raw and SmackDown's shows as of late? You know, I got to say, I mean, you have The Fiend, uh, there's that, and then a lot of things that feel very flat right now. Um, they're bringing in the NXT crew, of course, for Survivor Series. That is helping uh, as far as just making the shows feel fresher. Mm-hmm. And they had to do something. I mean, you just had this latest draft, and so all these people that – for some reason, now have undying loyalty to a brand they were just drafted to. At least NXT coming in is, is freshening things up. Uh, and I should, you know, Becky Lynch is still pretty over, but they're not in a great place on the main roster. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and just as a side note, on Monday Night Raw, when you're crushing some of the superstars of a brand that I really enjoy in NXT UK, and, and you have uh, several of those wrestlers just set aside just because Raw is steamrolling over them, that... I know somewhere deep down Triple H is just dying inside every time because I know he has a different formula and different outlook for this company and the brand. And it just, there's a feeling of Russo-era WCW with some of this, is it not? There is. And isn't it strange that you would do, like, 
I get like for the travel, you do it there, but you're trying to get the UK brand over and you're doing this in the UK. And so you're bringing in the stars from that group, the biggest faction that they have, and the heel faction that's been pretty much unstoppable, and you just feed them to raw talent in front of a U.K. audience on raw, giving them their biggest exposure. It is strange. I mean, they're always going to lean toward the main roster. I, I guess the best you can do at this point is just be thankful that NXT is on USA Network, and so they're at least going to take care of them to some extent. Jason, I, I there's a number of wrestlers on both brands, Raw and SmackDown, that I enjoy watching. But that's not necessarily why we're getting into wrestling. It's one thing to be able to root for a certain wrestler and, and to say, hey, I like his moves or I like when he's on the mic and all that. But if, if these wrestlers are in 50-50 booking or if they're not going anywhere, and a lot of the wrestlers I like on that, on that particular show, Raw or SmackDown, are somewhere in the middle of the card usually or, or not seen enough, then, then it's hard for me to buy in as a fan. It's one thing to root for those wrestlers, but if they're if their programs aren't going anywhere, then what's what's the point of all this? Yeah, and that's an ongoing issue. I, that's Vince McMahon's booking in 2019, and I think it's only going to get worse as we move forward, as he gets older and as he becomes more distracted by the XFL for as long as that's around. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a problem. They're they're paying the price for it now, and the the scary part is that. He doesn't seem to think there's a problem. I mean, they go through the window dressing of bringing in Paul Heyman and temporarily Eric Bischoff, now Bruce Pritchard, but everybody still reports to Vince McMahon, and we're still getting the same bad booking. Uh, I'm wondering your thoughts about AEW versus NXT, because I wanted to wait a while before I called you, because I want you to, for both of us, to see at least you know, about six weeks of their programming back yeah. and forth. So now that you got a little taste, what was what are the biggest differences in both brands? Well, you know, I got to say, number one, I just have to say that I love Wednesday nights. It is refreshing. I, I was dreading it at first because it's a lot of extra work, you know, to go from, hey, Wednesday night's the free night to suddenly now there's four hours of wrestling to cover. But it's a blast. And so as far as the differences are concerned, I, I you know, I think the biggest one that stands out is – the crowd, you know, with NXT playing at full sale, and you have the touring brand of AEW going all over the place, and sometimes they do a, a lighter crowd like last week, where I think it was 4,500 or so. Other times, you know, the first week they were in a sold-out 14,000-seat uh, venue. And so it's going to vary, but it's just like Raw SmackDown anything else. They do a good job of masking it, unless you're in the building or someone sends you a picture. You just get the look of it, and it looks like you just see what you see on TV, and it looks like it's a full house. And those crowds are rabid. Uh, so far, they have just drawn excellent crowds. Pittsburgh is traditionally just a quiet, dull crowd for whatever reason. And they went to AEW, went there, and had those people buzzing. Uh, so it, it just feels like a party atmosphere. And Full Sail is a good crowd for, for NXT shows. But it's just not the same. That, to me, is like the biggest difference right now between the two because I think they're both trying to play to a younger demographic. And AEW has been able to pull that off. Where NXT is, if you just look at the uh, viewership numbers, they're way down the list in those, in those younger demographics. So here, here's what's interesting is we talked to Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So here, here's the difference in... The NXT and what the WWE has done in the past. And, and so when I look at NXT with their smaller crowd at Full sale, 
this is what Impact Wrestling was. This is what TNA was. This is yeah. what some of the other smaller independents have been for a long time. And now the WWE has their own version of a small independent. And so it appears small and loud versus AEW in a bigger size arena. But I will tell you that even with TNA, even with you know, the, the AWA, the NWA, all of these other companies that we've seen over the years that have had a smaller crowd, studio audience, whatever. To me, the focus is the in-ring work, more so than who's in the building. Now, I know for the WWE, that, that perception is probably out there that we seem small, we got to get to bigger arenas in 2020. But I will say that, that once again, no matter the size of the building, if the audience is into what you're doing, that's a good thing. I, I mean, TNA wish they had that type of reaction, you know, in the middle to the end of their, their run uh, in Orlando. Oh, very true. Yeah, no, it is a great crowd that they're getting that's very into it. Um, it's It was never an issue before, but when you're competing head-to-head with somebody that's in these bigger venues and is getting just bigger crowds and those crowds never let up. I mean, they're, they're both really drawing good, good crowds as far as just uh, their enthusiasm, but there's something about the AEW show, just the bigger look, uh, the hotter crowd, uh, the, the, you know, the hotter and bigger crowd that I think is helping them. Um, where NXT, I think it's, I mean, it's smart. Uh, they don't know what to, how they would do on the road. They, they do house shows and they do okay, but to take this show on the road, that's an added production expense. And yeah, USA Network's paying them, you know, decent money, but it's, this isn't the big lucrative Fox uh, type of deal that the main roster shows are getting. And so I think they're actually smart to be there, but it is, I mean, I I feel like it's a difference. I didn't anticipate it either. I just kind of thought, eh, you know, whatever. It's going to be a a little bit of a difference, but not that big of a deal. But that AEW thing just feels like a young party. Um, From your reporting, Jason, haven't you reported numerous times that, as you just mentioned, that NXT's had a problem on the road, that they have not drawn what they wanted to do on house shows? I have not reported that. I mean, number one, throughout the, the Florida loop, those are just like the, their, their grapefruit loop, as they call it, mm-hmm. where those are just kind of smaller shows, and you know, and they just kind of do a loop to kind of get some of the people, mostly who are not on television, a little bit of ring time. Uh, but when they tour, it varies. You know, I, I, I think they've done okay. They're not running the biggest venues. Um, they've made some odd choices when they've come to my area. For one... One of the first shows they did up here was going to run head-to-head with the opening night of U.S. Bank Stadium, <laughs> the Packers and Viking game. And yeah. they did move it to a matinee, but it still was like a matinee. So, I mean, I can only speak for this area as far as the attendance goes. And it's okay, but they're also – they haven't really marketed it well. I wonder how they would do now. You know, if they start marketing their live tours on the actual NXT show, where before it was just all hidden on the network. Um, Impact Wrestling, I went to the Odium and Villa Park, their Bound for Glory pay-per-view yeah. in the Chicagoland area, and I will tell you, there's a lot of people in that building that, that watch Twitch. Um, <laughs> they, they, are, they were very familiar with the Impact Wrestling. They were very familiar with the, the, the characters and the, and the sayings and chanting back to the wrestlers, so it was an impressive crowd. It was um, standing room only, by the way. You couldn't get another body in there, so it was a, a huge crowd. However, I have seen the television the last couple of weeks, you know, officially on Access TV. Ooh. Well, Jason, I, I want to get your thoughts, but I there's some good and there's some questionable about that show where, you know, you're 
to uh, to this audience, maybe it's uh, okay, but for a fresh set of eyes, there's a lot of unnecessary haha in there. Is 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 the haha in there because of a lack of quality on the roster? How do you see it? I don't think it's that. They actually have a pretty solid roster. I just think they fall in love with some of these goofball concepts that they do. Uh, the undead realm is something that was just unwatchable, and they've toned it down a little bit. Uh, these smoke circles where they're doing some weird homage to that 70s show, which I actually enjoy, but, you know, yeah. the, the actual show, but I don't need to see it in my wrestling. And, I mean, there's just there's too many moments like that. And here's one that I really don't get. So everything seems to point to if, she stay, if she's under contract long enough, they want to get the Impact World Championship onto Tessa Blanchard, let her become the first woman who wins that, that title. And, okay, you know, that's, that's a story you can tell, and you would think, they're going to try to reach a different demographic in doing so. But on their same show, they have a woman falling out of her top, bending over and twerking, and it's just like you're going to turn off the audience you're trying to get. Stop trying to be something for everyone and actually pick a direction. That, that would be my biggest fault or biggest issue, I should say, with Impact Wrestling right now. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so many different directions with this. I don't know if you're trying to be Attitude Era WWE are you trying to be the, the what um, Impact Wrestling or TNA was in the past? I'm not sure. I, I will say this. The positive with Sammy Callahan being their Impact champion, uh, I actually thought he was going to win it in Chicago, Jason, but he won it on, that, uh, on one of their first shows, and I they had no problem with it because Sammy's a guy who travels across the country, and if you're Impact Wrestling, you want him to take the title with you, uh, with him. So I think that's not a bad thing because – He's everywhere. He wrestles a ton of independent uh, shows, so that's good for Sammy and good for Impact, I think. Yeah, and Sammy's so talented. It's really cool to see. You know, I didn't get what they were doing with him in NXT. I don't think he did either with that weird hacker gimmick. And for him to make the decision to ask for his release, you know, that's a bold move. They're, I think only he and Juice Robinson are the only two guys that come to mind uh, who was, I think, playing C.J. Parker, I believe it was, in NXT, mm-hmm. that actually took that step. Usually you get there. You just do everything. You know, you do what you're told, and you hope to get to the main roster. And he, I, I think he sensed it wasn't going well. He asked out, and uh, he's really gone out there and I think reinvented himself in a really good way on the independent scene and, and, and in impact. And he's been, I would argue, their MVP. I think he's uh, just been a phenomenal performer for them, very versatile, and will do anything they ask of him. You know, I mean, there were Eli Drake made it no secret. He didn't want to take part in intergender wrestling. Sammy Callahan was uh, right there, willing and able to do it. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net with Jonathan Hood from Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, full gear taking place in Baltimore, the latest pay-per-view for AEW. Um, what were your overall thoughts on, on that pay-per-view from top to bottom? Um, I wish we could eliminate the top. And just uh, had the show ended with the uh, AEW championship match, I would have been all for it. I thought it was a good show. I don't know what they were trying. What Moxley, I mean, I've heard people say, like, oh, he's just getting this out of his system after being cooped up in WWE, this hardcore style that he's doing. I thought he got it out of his system with the Joey Janela match. I'm worried this is the new John Moxley. I don't know about you, Jonathan. I'm just not a big deathmatch guy, and I know there's an audience for it. I just don't think it's a big one. And there's going to be some shock value that's going to win some people over. But I, 40 minutes of that? Did we really need 40 minutes of those two just pulling out every weapon in you know, a barbed wire, beds, and, and, and glass? And it just to me, it was just a turnoff. It was just too much. It was. It's not my cup of tea. 
Um, I guess that's the reason why it was a lights out match where you could stay or leave. I guess that was the, the concept back in the day. But, you know, Jason, every, the more and more I watch AEW, the more I think that matches like this cater to a few instead of the, the greater sum of professional wrestling fans. See, like these matches, you could see at any bar, you could see this in any gym, any odium across the, the country, smaller gyms. But I, I think that when you are having matches like this, this is not necessarily, again, it's on pay-per-view, but it's still tied to TNT. Like, is this is this something that we're going to see on TNT? Is this something that we're going to see? Because to me, it's like all these matches that we see, I, I refuse to watch them. But then when they're on a big stage like this, you have no other choice. Right. It's just not my cup of tea. And I just think that sometimes I think the AEW is catering to to the Janela crowd, to the the Moxley crowd that likes this type of wrestling. It's like, you know, that's that's not, I don't think that's the majority of wrestling fans. I think that's just a, a select few. Yeah, it, like I said, if you did this once a year, I still wouldn't say go 40 minutes with it, but if you had a, a, a big feud that really built up to something like this, I can tolerate it. It's still not for me. To answer your question, no. We won't see this on TNT. I remember uh, Tony Khan, the AEW owner, was asked that question coming out of Moxley and Janela's match on one of the previous pay-per-views, and, and he said no. He knows they can't do this on TNT. Uh, it's going to be something they do on pay-per-view occasionally. And it, to me, they've already done it too often. Um, and they had that other weird hardcore match with Kenny Omega and Joey Janela that aired on their AEW Dark YouTube show. Um, there's an audience for it. Again, it's a smaller one, and I just don't think you're going to win people over. I don't think it's good. I mean, Vince McMahon already took a fire to shot at them on one of the uh, quarterly conference calls uh, talking about the style that they're using, blood and guts. And, you know, the first time it was kind of laughable, and then you see them continue to do it, and it's like, well, maybe he's onto something. And if you're a sponsor or, you know, somebody that's looking to do business with one company or the other, you got to think twice about it. You're like, hmm, do we really want to be associated with this? Yeah, well, and the other thing we had to look at too, Jason, is that with AEW, we have to look at them with a curve because this is not, okay, here's a startup company, um, and we could say, well, they need time. Let's see where they're going to be in five years, but we got to find out, will it last five years? And, right. and, and money aside, we're just talking about, this is not like early WCW where the, the hottest thing was the Dungeon of Doom against Hogan. You know, that's, that was the early WCW when Nitro first started. And so you knew, at least you hoped that it would grow from there, and it actually did. Hopefully, we'll see this company be able to mature from what we're seeing now in three, four years where we are getting classic matches and they can really solidly define who they are. I sure hope so. You know, I mean, they do have a really nice roster. There's, there's some real talent here. And I, I just I feel for people who have been hearing about this great Kenny Omega and they've only seen him in AEW. They must be thinking everyone who was raving about him is nuts because we just haven't seen Kenny be Kenny yet. Or maybe we're seeing Kenny be too much of the real Kenny with some of the quirky stuff. But, I mean, this guy is as good as it gets in the ring, and he's out there working garbage matches. I, I just don't understand. But I do think there's some really smart people running this company. I think they're in a good place and financially, obviously, with the Khan family behind them. It is a little concerning that NXT is already creeping up on them, but I think that's a product of WWE being able to move over some main roster talent to NXT. You know, Spin Balor uh, returning to the brand, the OC showing up last week, and that's smart strategy by WWE. 
I, I do feel like they made a mistake, AEW did, by just unveiling basically their entire roster other than Jake Hager before they went to Dynamite, including the guys formerly known as LAX, just in a forgettable way on pay-per-view they show up. Why not save that? Create that element that you never you got to tune in because you never know who's going to show up next. And they didn't. They haven't had any of that since week one when Hager showed up. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. With you uh, being in the Twin Cities and me being in Chicago, uh, we both grew up watching Vern's TV with the AWA for it. I mean, that was the first wrestling that I saw. That's yeah. the Nick Bockwinkel is my favorite wrestler of all time. So I, I'm a big AWA fan and. Um, when, when I hear the parallels, I, I think you might have heard this, and I know I have as well. Several podcasts and several people have written that Ring of Honor is starting to look like AWA of 89. Ooh. And that, now I get a little itchy because I'm very sensitive because I, I did not want to see AWA closed the way it did. Um, I, I didn't want to see Rambo, Greg Gagne, and Jake, Jake, Jake Milliman uh, in main event matches. But... Um, can you make a parallel? Can you make a case based on what we've seen from ROH, especially with their latest ROH unauthorized show in which a wrestler and a commentator were in a match? Um, can you make a parallel about ROH, where they are now uh, versus 89 for the AWA? I think in terms of the interest level, and it kind of stops there, and that unauthorized show was weird, and, and I don't think that's like the new norm for them. It's just something they do once a year. And I think it's one of those shows that's actually – pretty good for morale, even if it's kind of the, the fans roll their eyes at it. But they're not in a good place. Um, nothing happens. It, it's just, yeah, they did a title change to Roosh from Matt Haven, felt flat. Uh, Matt Haven felt flat as champion. Uh, they're, they're not drawing well. Their television show was tough to watch before, and they decided, okay, no one wants to go to these uh, marathon TV tapings we're doing. So let's, let's blow this up, mm-hmm. and let's come up with this new, let's go with a highlight show. And so you tune into their weekly television show, which is now airing on all these regional sports networks too. It's like a month behind. Uh, you know, it was filmed a month earlier, and it's just like one or two matches and a bunch of highlights of matches, and it's just like there's nothing to see. It, it, I, they basically just took the easy way out. They made, them, they made their lives easier creatively, Rather than going, okay, nobody wants to go to our tapings. What can we do to make our tapings better? They just blew it up, and I, I don't see this working. I, I think that uh, major change is needed there. And even if you bring may bring in somebody who's got all the answers, I, I still I don't know that they have the roster for it right now. It, it's uh, it's in a really bad place. There's a lot of damaged talent there. Was I dreaming, uh, Jason, or was there a co-branded uh, event in Madison Square Garden with ROH in New Japan? There was, and uh, yeah, we haven't seen much New Japan uh, interest there with ROH since, have we? I just, I, I mean, what a what a fall from what we talked about during WrestleMania weekend. Because for those that don't know, that was a Madison Square Garden was sold out. ROH and New Japan were together, and I know that there might have been a little sleight of hand there because there was no Young Bucks, no Cody Rhodes, no Kenny Omega on that, and it was already sold out. But just the point is, is that. ROH could not be able to garner momentum from that time. It seems like they're taking a big fall. And Bully Ray, by the way, said this on Busted Open, the SiriusXM radio, and he makes a salient point. He said, and he's someone who still works for the company, apparently, as a as a producer backstage. He says, you know, 
uh, ROH could easily be doing what AEW is doing right now with the billion-dollar Sinclair Broadcasting uh, Company that uh, that is owned by ROH. Uh, if they were able to just kind of steady the waters and have a direction, you know, maybe RO, ROH would be AEW right now. Had they been able to keep Cody in the boxing company, maybe. I, I don't. They have a booker who is fundamentally strong, but seems like he's out of ideas. And so they really need some sort of a creative shakeup. And I know they're, you know, they've added bullies part of the creative now, and there's different people. But you go back to that MSG show that they did, and if you just think of it in terms of what ROH did and what New Japan did, oh, man, that was a bad show for ROH. Um, I mean, that's when they had Enzo Amore show up in the crowd, mm-hmm. uh, just and, and the uh, the beautiful people show up, and it was like, what is this? And I really didn't think of it watching it, because I just enjoyed the overall show, but one of my staffers pointed that out to me afterward, like, think of it just as far as what ROH did. It was brutal, when you, when you just break it in half like that. So they've been having some issues for a while creatively, and, and I just, for whatever reason, I, I don't get the sense that Joe Kopp is serious about making a change there. But yeah, had Sinclair decided we're going to put up the money and we're going to try to keep Cody in the box and bring in Kenny Omega and we've had this relationship with New Japan, things could be so different right now. Jason, could you uh, tell our audience um, a certain wrestling show that you are enjoying? Because it's one thing to be able to review all these these shows. You can watch wrestling every day of the week if you choose to, but is there one in particular that you're starting to really enjoy? You know, I, again, for me, I think it's Wednesday nights. Um, mm-hmm. But to give you a different answer, I will say, people, check out NWA Power on YouTube. It, it's a fun throwback studio show. So if, if you, you know, you and I being AWA guys, it's not an AWA throwback. It's an NWA throwback, but it's fun. You have James Storm, Nick Aldis, Eli Drake, a lot of talented people there. And they're doing it on an old school, old school studio set, no scripted promos. They're coming out there and just, uh, it's, it's like watching the old Saturday night show back in the day. It's different. And, you know, everybody wants to be an alternative to WWE, but so few actually want to take this step to actually truly be different. And this is. Yes, no question. Um, and Nick Aldis is holding that championship and carrying himself as a champion very well in the NWA. And, yeah. and he's, he's... <laughs> He he gets it. His first his first promo, the first uh, show that they had, you could close your eyes and hear Ric Flair in that promo because one of the great things that Ric Flair always did is not only put himself over but put the locker room over. Talking about you know, hey, I'm not a big fan of Nikita Koloff. I'm not a big fan of Rock and Roll Express, but you know those guys are great and blah blah blah. And you know the Horsemen are greater. That's it's kind of what we got from Aldis talking about the locker room, talking about himself and. You know, it's just, it was perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah, and, and James Storm is really good in that setting. Uh, they're just different people that they really make it work when you just give them the mic and let them be themselves. That, you know, they, they can get themselves over. And they might get bullet points, but um, all this is one of those people. He is really good, and I'm surprised that AEW didn't make a real play for him. I'm surprised <laughs> WWE didn't with his wife working there. But uh, yeah. the NWA, they hit a home run when they signed him. Jason, if I go to ProWrestling.net, what would I find? Nonstop updates as far as uh, news is concerned and uh, live coverage reviews of Raw, SmackDown, 
AEW Dynamite, the NXT shows, and then delayed reviews of all the other major shows. But uh, if there's a pay-per-view going on, like Full Gear over the weekend, I covered that live, MLW the week before. Uh, we always have live coverage of all the major events and, and, again, all the major television shows. And my favorite part is the exclusive podcast. I can get on Android or iPhone, your podcast and your thoughts on a lot of these shows. Yeah, the uh, Pro Wrestling Boom podcast, new one just dropped today. Uh, sometimes I will interview a guest. Other times I will just uh, have uh, one of the staffers or a pro wrestling media member on the show, and uh, we'll just uh, break down whatever the current events are. Uh, just do a search on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts for Pro Wrestling Boom. You can also uh, f- find great football in Minnesota, where uh, <laughs> where Jason is. You can find his Gophers and Vikings just tearing it up in the Midwest. Yeah, how about the Gophers? I mean, I just grew up not caring about college football because of the Gophers. <laughs> and now, I mean, I've, I've kept an eye on them over the years, but usually it's like halfway through the season, like I'm done watching this. But I, I am a diehard Viking fan, and uh, now my girlfriend is going nuts because uh, in addition to spending my entire Sunday watching football, I'm now, uh, honey, i got to watch the Gopher game on Saturday. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, so far, so good. That game against Penn State was a blast. Absolutely, absolutely it was. And you hold on to uh, P.J. Flex's ankle. Make sure that he doesn't leave because that guy is real. He was, remember, he's an NIU Husky, and he, he was terrific as a, a player, and to see him as a coach now at a, such a high level, hold on to that guy because you never know what Minnesota could be in the next few years. He definitely has Minnesota on the, you know, really on the landscape here as a top-six team now, I believe, in college football. Yeah, last, well, I think there's different, Paul. I, I saw him at, a, at number seven in one of them, and you might be right. It could be as high as six. He's done a great job. They signed him to a new deal, but you know how that goes. There's a $10 million buyout, so nothing is certain in college football when it comes to coaches, but uh, the fact that he signed the new deal before the Penn State game, I'd like to think that at least means he'll be here next year. Right. <laughs> at the very least, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you spent some time, Jason. I just want to reach out to you. I want to give us a, a little breathing room for us to be able to watch AEW NXT to really take a look for over six weeks of what we've seen here. So it'll be interesting. I know that I'm watching a ton uh, because I, I'm two weeks behind on NXT UK, so I got to catch up on that as well. So it's it's so much, but it's a lot of fun, isn't it? It is, and we haven't even talked MLW. I mean, there's just I know. so much going on. It's crazy. <laughs> Court, Court Bauer won't be happy with that. No, <laughs> he won't. We're going to get an earful. <laughs> he's he's uh by the way i think that i've convinced him that chicago should be his his sportatorium in dallas should be his uh his spot uh because it sells out every time it the, sells these, out every time and it also yeah. looks the best on tv you know they're, they're playing some of those smaller venues that just don't look quite as good where they go to chicago and it looks great every time it's it's sold out every time it's been here including against the cubs and Sox, by the way and he didn't even realize that when i told him i said you know that you ran a Saturday TV taping against the Cubs and Sox. He said, what, what? I go, yeah, it's the only the number one thing in the summer. Oh. <laughs> and it sold out against it. So I said, you, I said, you're rolling if you're selling out against the Cubs and Sox. So you, it's, uh, I, they're definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, and the pay-per-view was fun. Yeah, they def- that's another group that I, I think if, if it were a different time, we'd be spending so much more time talking about them. I mean, they're getting some of the airspace, but – there's just so much competition. But, yeah, anybody out there that hasn't checked out MLW, I encourage it. Jason, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. We'll do it again anytime. Good to hear from Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net with us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here 
on ESPN 1000. Of course, the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Tell people, John the Hood's talking wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday night. Uh, so talking to Jason, it was interesting to hear his thoughts about AEW Full Gear. And that was a pay-per-view taking place from Baltimore, Maryland. And I'll tell you that when I'm looking at this pay-per-view, and I watched it on early Sunday morning, and I knew that Chris Jericho and Cody for the AEW championship was going to be great. I knew it was going to be a great matchup because those two are the two that are getting over the most. Surprisingly, right? The veterans of the company are getting over the most. Cody Rhodes is showing that he is a quintessential babyface in the same vein of his dad, Dusty Rhodes. Same thing with Chris Jericho as a heel. He doesn't want you to like him. He knows the role that he's playing as a heel and as AEW champion. But as I said on last week's show, and you go back in the archives and check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, I said that that Chris Jericho more than likely is going to get over and that there is going to be a switch with um, MJF turning heel, I guess you could say, on Cody Rhodes. It was, it was inevitable. It's something that's been hinted about. It seems like it was going to happen, and finally it do, d- does happen, and MJF turns heel on Cody Rhodes. So Cody can no longer challenge for the AEW championship. But I thought that the match was, was really solid, and not surprising from those two guys that know exactly what they're doing. The story was told very well. One thing that you could point out, though, and this is from a, a TV camera work situation or how you're able to set all this up, you notice that right before Cody Rhodes is in that hold to uh, that lion tamer, that you could see MJF with a towel in the left-hand corner. Now, what you don't want to see is the towel if you're a viewer at home. Like, maybe the, the audience can see him rolling up a white towel ready to throw it in on behalf of Cody Rhodes. But when you see the towel, you heard Jim Ross say, what's, 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 what's a towel? Why does he have a towel? Well, now that telegraphs that there's going to be someone throwing the towel in. It's going to be MJF to stop the match. Um, if there, if you don't see the towel, or as Bully Ray said on Busted Open, if he throws in the scarf, right, then that is also something that you could look at and say, hey, you know, uh, that's one thing that could have happened. And uh, and so as I look at what's happening with uh, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes, I just thought it was just a terrific matchup. And not surprising that it went very, very well. A lot of people have been talking about the Dean Ambrose and Kenny Omega unsanctioned match and whether or not it was a good match or a bad match. I, You know, it's going into the match, you just knew that it was going to be lights out whether you want to stay or go. Lights out, and that stipulation has been around for wrestling for a long, long time. And so if it's a lights out match, it's supposed to be at the end of the night. Now, I thought that the Cody Rhodes and Jericho match was the best match on the card, but this was an acquired taste. I thought that the match was too long. I, I don't think that you need to have 40, 45 minutes worth of, of you know, barbed wire and mouse traps and all this other stuff. The reason why you don't have to have it that long is for simple, for simple I mean, it's pretty simple. You don't want to have that long a match because you want to save something for maybe another match or something else. They put everything on the table, for, literally, for 40 minutes. So how can you top that? 
you've got to be able to save room for something else if you're trying to top that. They want to make sure if this was the blow-off, it's a blow-off. But if Ambrose and Omega have another one of these matches, what else can they do? What else could they come up with? Um, it's an acquired taste. It's not necessarily my taste. Uh, but I, it was just a spectacle to watch all this happening all at one time. So, you know, I, I didn't... I didn't hate the match. I didn't love the match either. It was just a spectacle where you're just watching two, a, a car collision on the side of the road. It's kind of what it was for me. And um, just how they had to set up all this stuff and they did the bully race spot. I will always call it the bully race spot when you're able to, to, to be able to see what's underneath the ring, see what's underneath the, the mat, pulling the mats up uh, and all the padding um, underneath the ring and then being able to do spots on the boards that was just wild. It's wild. And the first time I saw that was Bully Ray in TNA. So to me, that will always be the Bully Ray spot to be able to to do that. So I, I I did not care for it very much, and I didn't hate it, you know, like many others do. I just thought it was a, a spectacle. And I, I always think it from this standpoint, what else are these two going to do? Or is this the end? Because if it's the end, okay, fine. But if these two are going to continue on, I don't know what tops what we saw in that Lights Out match. I thought that Pack and Hangman Page was a terrific matchup. Um, it, it's what I expected. Those two really work hard. Um, so I thought that that was a terrific match. The Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz. Um, I'm a big fan of both of these tag teams. I love to see those guys wrestle as, as much as possible because I think they both bring a lot to the table. Um, Joey Janela and Sean Spears. It seems to me that Joey Janela has turned more into a wrestler and that does stunts versus just a stuntman. And I think that's a growth in Joey Janela when you see him against uh, Sean Spears. Uh, I want to hear Sean Spears talk more. I want to hear Tully Blanchard talk more. You know, it's one thing for Spears to be out there and, you know, doing what he's doing, but I like to see and hear more from. Um, both Tully Blanchard, one of the best talkers in the business, and he's just out there. Great spike pile driver um, ending to that matchup. So, but I think more so than Sean Spears, Joey Janela impressed me because all I look for in wrestling is another gear. It's another gear with some of these wrestlers, and I think that Joey Janela showed a little bit of that in that matchup against uh, Sean Spears. So that was interesting. Um, the AEW World Tag Team Championship matchup with SCU and the Lucha Brothers and Private Party. It's, it's what you thought it was going to be. I mean, just a, a lot of fast pace. It wasn't the greatest um, it wasn't the greatest World Tag Team match that I've seen, but it, it just, to see SCU out there, it's just certain guys you watch, like Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix is, is going to, if you want to be singles, he could be a great single star. Um, when I'm watching him, I just think that he is just completely over. So I thought that the pay-per-view overall was about a B plus. Um, nothing has ever been an A with me with, um, AEW yet, but again, it's a company that's still growing and trying to find itself. You know, I thought that it was worth the price that I paid for it. It was fine to watch it. I just think that you're seeing a young company trying to discover themselves, trying to figure things out. And so, um, you know, I, I had no major issues with this with this particular pay-per-view. I just look forward to seeing more and how they can be able to grow. Those are the things I look at uh, with AEW and, and their show every Wednesday night and their big events. Uh, here's another question I would have for you, though, regarding AEW. The question is, is that now that MJF and Cody are going to go to war, is that a main event 
in your eyes when it comes to your city, when AEW comes to your city? Is it something where those two can be able to sell out a building? Because can those two be able to have a big-time war? Because the way I would book it is, is that Cody still has the Young Bucks, he still has a number of allies that are around him to help him, right? Well, if I'm MJF, I would love for him to bring those other two, Hammerstone and the other guy from MLW, and bring them over and have that that faction together. And so for MJF to have his own faction to be able to come over to uh, AEW. Because MJF by himself, he's got a lot of mouth, but I don't know if he's a guy that for sure you can look at and say, well, for sure, when he's out there, man, he, he can really be able to provide a big difference for um, AEW. So I think it's got to be him in a faction. So we'll see how that works out. Let's take a look at the WWE ratings for uh, this past Monday. Uh, the ratings were down because the show was in Manchester, England. Some say it's because it was taped. I think also it's because San Francisco and Seattle was a tremendous Monday Night Football game. The 7 o'clock was a 2.36 the 8 o'clock was a 2.06 and the 9 o'clock was a 1.75 so there was a dip there they're down 16% from last week's Monday Night Raw that's according to the Wrestling Observer also I think they might be down because of certain segments on that show just it was not a great Monday Night Raw especially the whole angle with Lana and that whole love triangle thing with Lana and uh, Bobby Lashley and Lana's husband, Rusev. I, I don't know where this is going. I don't know why it's necessary. I, d I don't think there's money in any of this outside of this is something that Paul Heyman wants to put on the show because it relates to his life. It relates to something that has gone on in somebody's life. Somebody's writing this nonsense. And it's just, to me, it's just, it's gone over the top. So, but the ratings are down 16%. Um, the positive for the WWE is that uh, the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy announced that WrestleMania 35 generated $1.65.4 million as far as economic impact to the New York, New Jersey region this past April, according to a study conducted by the Enigma Research Corporation. This marks more than a 60% increase from the $101.2 million generated from WrestleMania 29 in New York, New Jersey. So anywhere the WWE goes for their tentpole events like WrestleMania, it seems to work out really well for the WWE uh, in a big way. All right, so don't forget, Coming up next Thursday, or this Thursday, we will have our second edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. That will take place on the 14th of November. Oh, by the way, here's the announcement. I, it was on the podcast earlier. If you missed it, I will mention it again that coming up this Saturday, Saturday morning for the first time ever, I will be hosting on Busted Open Radio with Mark Henry from 8 to 11 a.m. Central Time on uh, Fight Nation Sirius XM. So channel 156 for Sirius XM Fight Nation. I will be with the Hall of Famer with the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. We'll do our show from 8 to 11 a.m., a Saturday edition of Busted Open, which is just amazing, right? First time ever on Busted Open 
at all, and I'm going to be doing the show with Mark Henry and part of that rotation now for Busted Open on Sirius XM. So I'm very excited about it. It's going to be a great time because I'll be able to talk pro wrestling for not just for an hour, but for three hours with the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. should be a lot of fun on the 16th of November, this upcoming Saturday as we record this, 8 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, that's Wrestling TWT, as well as YouTube, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on the YouTube page as well. Long-form interviews and conversations I've had there for regarding professional wrestling. Please, please, please tell someone that Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday here on ESPN 1000, and of course the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. I will talk to you coming up in a few days as we review AEW versus NXT and more on Thursday when I'm joined by Josh Lopez right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.